right, boys. Snack time. Day two of week seven. Let's do this shit. Feels like ten days later, to be honest. It feels like ten days later. I wonder why. We had an incident. We recorded the entire week and fucking lost it. But you know what? Keep moving forward no matter what. Forward, never back. That's right, bitch. And you know what as well? <laughs> it is tattooed to you. Yeah, that's true. You gotta have the right mindset. And as salesmen, we know that the most important thing about selling is to have the right mindset at all times. We deal with a lot of rejection. We deal with a lot of bullshit from people. We even deal with bullshit from things that aren't people, aka audacity. Thank you, audacity. You fucking suck. But anyways, as salesmen, we understand that value and persuasion go above all else. And ultimately, who are the most persuasive people and who understands value the most in sports? We have a list of some guys, because at the end of the day, we sell everything. Everything is a sale. Don't let anyone tell you different. So, with that being said, Foz, give me your best sports salesman. All right. <laughs> wow. First and foremost, whoever Sam Bradford's agent is, Yo. is a fucking genius, okay? Yeah, he ain't a salesman. That's a bank robber. Yeah. Two years, $40 million, and I don't think he lasted more than two games in the Cardinals. Brilliant. He was but- a Cardinal? He was. <laughs> exactly. You didn't even know he was a Cardinal. <laughs> Uh, secondly, Brock Osweiler's agent, four years, seventy-two million to the Texans. Somehow that happened. Uh, his tenure with the Broncos was an absolute mess. He he started in favor of the decrepit corpse of Peyton Manning, only to get benched in favor of the decrepit corpse of Peyton Manning. I think the corpse was actually better. My point. The is true that. beauty of why this was a great sale is the fact that his agent made the Texans believe that he was worth four years, $72 million. You know what happened the next year? They had to trade away a second-round pick to get rid of his contract. They had to give away additional assets to get rid of something which shouldn't have been done to begin with. Right. That's called stupidity, I'll, and that's why stupid teams do stupid things. I'll tell you actually who the best salesman is. Go ahead. Bobby Vanilla. Ah, well, I'm glad we got to this. So, as in honor of July 1st and Bobby Bonilla Day, also my birthday, but no one gives a shit about that. Bobby Bonilla got paid. I do. I don't. (laughs) Bobby Bonilla is getting paid $1.35 million every year until 2035 because the Mets decided that they didn't want to pay him $6 million in 1999. Great investment. Indeed. Now, here's the funny thing, because everybody's going to shit on the Mets. Yes, they made a bad idea. Why would they defer so many payments? But you know why it's bad? You know why it's funny? Benia's agent negotiated 8% interest every single year, and that is why the contract is all right. But the Mets were okay with it. You know why? Because they were making 10% on their Bernie Madoff investments back in the <laughs> mid to late 2000s. Well, shit. I guess that backfired on them. The moral of the story is this. Stupid teams do stupid things. Not only that, but even if you were making 10% back, why are you going to give 8% to a player? You're only making 2%. That's dumb. Why were you so cheap not to pay $6 million one year, and now you're paying 35 for the next 30 years? Great job, guys. Also, on top of the Bobby Bonilla deal, the Mets actually agreed to defer Daryl Strawberry's contract as well. Based on the contract he signed in 1985, it got deferred all the way to 2033. (laughs) Now, now, keep in mind that Daryl Strawberry is a degenerate, and he had about $13 million worth of unpaid taxes. Nice. Always a good thing. Pay your taxes, people. Rule number one. 
So what the IRS did was actually sell the contract to a man for $2 million, and now that man is collecting $8,891.82 a month for the... It was sold in 2015 for the next 12 years starting today. You think so, he's paying his taxes now too? Or? Probably not. Probably garnishing his wages. Probably never sees it. He doesn't <laughs> even have a bank account. I think I saw him on the street with you last week. <laughs> Eskimo brother, who is the absolute best salesman in your opinion? Me. You actually might be the best salesman that I know. But yeah. we're talking sports. I mean, think about how much uh, I've done on the streets with these... Uh, you know, with my homeless friends. Yeah. Anyway. One would say you are a hustler. Yeah, that's the word. So, <laughs> Brian Cashman is the greatest salesman not named Scott Boris. Scott Boris is for another day, though. Brian Cashman, thinking about back then when the Yankees were trying to make their runs in 96 and Jeter's rookie year, they thought they could win a World Series... I read reports recently, actually, that Mariano Rivera was on the market. They were looking to acquire a shortstop because they didn't know if they had enough to actually win the World Series that year. Could you guys imagine if Mariano Rivera would have gotten traded as a prospect? That would have been insane. He's the greatest closer of all time. Could you imagine if Derek Jeter would have gotten traded? The Steinbrenners, when George was still alive, were known to just trade prospects and just get talent that they know are proven and going to do something for you today. Once George was out uh, as, the, as the owner of the business, and obviously his sons had taken over, the keys had been handed down to Brian Cashman, who was basically just kind of sitting around all those years and didn't get the chance to show how great he truly is. But what did he do? He does not trade assets because he understands that assets are growing and these are stocks that he's investing in. So what did he do back in 2015? He traded Andrew Miller and the oldest Chapman. Yeah. I think it was 2016. It was 2016. The, no, year, 20 the year doesn't matter because Brian Cashman rebuilt the Yankees yeah. system and allowed their rebuild to happen two to three years early based off the prospects they acquired with a deadline deal. Brian Cashman really understands the value of a strong minor league system. Coming from a rival fan, it hurts me to say it, but I can't deny the facts. It was 2016. Yeah, but that's what happens when you're homeless and you don't really have perception of time. Yeah, we're in 2032 now, right? <laughs> Bobby has contract's almost up. <laughs> Only three more years. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, I mean, if, if you look at the timeline... The whole role is Chapman thing between trading Andrew Miller for Justice Sheffield, who then became James Paxton, and Clint Frazier, who could either boom or become another player. And then he traded Eric J. Jello, okay? Who? <laughs> so in 2013, Cashman drafted Eric J. Jello, Aaron Judge, and Ian Clarkin. So he kept Aaron Judge, brilliant, traded Eric J. Jello to the Reds for a role as Chapman, traded a role as Chapman to the Cubs. For Glaber Torres, and then signed Aroldis Chapman back the next offseason. So, for those who can't understand or follow every single trade deal that happened, the Yankees essentially got Aroldis Chapman back uh, for nothing. So, they acquired <laughs> Glaber Torres for nothing. Eric I'm pretty sure. Who was that? They traded Eric Jello. Yeah, he's nobody. You don't know Eric Jello? I thought his name was Aroldis Chapman because that's who they got back. Yeah, we don't The know point is that Chapman came <laughs> back, uh, they paid. Pretty much nothing for him, and they got their, what is Glaber playing these days, second base? 
kind of both. Well, all I know is I they had, playing left field too, the middle the middle <laughs> infield for them is solidified for many years and terrorizing Red Sox fans like myself. But unfortunately, no, not unfortunately. Fortunately for me, football's where I stand because the greatest sports salesman is Bill Belichick, and you know why? Oh. Yes, I know. We did this segment already. The oh, we we know what was coming. Oh no, that was an orgasm. Oh, you got to work a little on that. So, Bill Belichick is the best because he understands the idea of value and persuasion. Think about this for a second. We have a, It's a legal, egotistical men that want to make the most money possible. And he convinces you to come to New England, work under a terrible military-style work environment, and convinces you to take less money. Why do you do that? Because he understands how to persuade people that the end goal is to win. Which he does accomplish, his legitimacy is there. Right. But at the same time, it's not just players. He convinces other GMs to trade them their assets that they don't understand how to handle. Shame on them. For much less than what they're worth. Randy Moss, the great the second greatest receiver in the history of the National uh-huh, Football third. League. No. The second greatest receiver in NFL history is traded for a fourth round pick in the 2006 offseason. You know what he did the next year? He had the most receiving touchdowns in an NFL regular season in history. No shit. So, and wait, there's another one too. Rob Gronkowski was traded this past offseason for a fourth round pick. Who did he play for last year? The cocaine? The Miami Cocaine Hurricanes. The Miami Beach Parties. Yeah. He played. He played for WWE as their twenty four seven champion too. Oh, the point God. is, he wasn't in football, and you require a fourth round pick for a retired player. I don't. I don't care if he's twenty eight and could play. The fact is, someone, an asset that was doing nothing, became pretty good something. So he understands value and persuasion better than anybody, and he is sports best sales. Thirty one though. I mean, yeah, because <laughs> you could do well for your own team. And that's well, not the point. since we already talked about Eskimo brothers' favorite quarterback and Sam Bradford. And Mr. Massive's... <laughs> I can't even say that. Better than any Jets quarterback. And I've Mr. Massive's favorite baseball player, Eric J. Jello. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about my favorite football team, the 49ers. Because every single episode of this podcast has to have the 49ers. And baseball. No, but seriously, John Lynch is a phenomenal salesman. And I think we can definitely admit to that. He's traded for... He's traded a third and a fifth for Trent Williams. He moved back one spot in the 2017 draft... So the Bears could draft Mitchell Trubisky, even though they could have drafted him third overall. He got a, an extra three and a four. He moved back one spot in the 2020 draft with the Buccaneers to move back from 13 to 14 and acquire an extra pick. And on top of that, best of all, he swindled your boy Bill into giving up Garoppolo for a second round pick. I wouldn't call it swindling because truth be told, I think Bill was that petty and didn't want to send him to Cleveland. But, you know... I'd call it swindling. We also have relationships, too. Mike and Kyle Shanahan. But let's get back on the straight line. The point is, the 49ers are a fantastic sales team. And when you think about this, Alex Smith was traded for two second-round picks, and Garoppolo was traded for one. Kind of, you know... Sales. I think he did Garoppolo a favor. Certainly did my fandom a favor. But ultimately, everything is a sale. Just like when you want to get with a girl. Just like when you need to bargain with a homeless guy down the street for crack. Oh, it's me. Yeah. But anyways, sales is all about mindset. You have to have the right mindset at all times. And the guys that we mentioned have the best of the best mindsets. Is it a coincidence that they're the best? No. Exactly. We'll be back tomorrow with more Eat My Sports. <laughs>